A few years ago, one of the kids in my online coaching program said to me, Coach Rebecca, I wish we could just go to a gym and have you as our coach. We would all be so happy and so confident. And that warmed my heart and I was like, oh my gosh, that would be the best. And that comment stuck with me for years. So now I'm going to do something about it. I am inviting gymnasts from all over the country to join me for the first ever Confident Gymnast Camp this August 3rd and 4th. This camp is all about breaking through mental blocks. So if you're struggling with a skill and you want me and my team to help you break through in real time, then check out confidentgymnast.com for details. Hi guys, on today's podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Lauren Early, the six-time back-to-back world champion in competitive Irish dance. And we're going to dig into the mindset that helped her push through, keep at it, and stay positive through this amazing, amazing sport journey. Welcome to the Perform Happy Podcast, where athletes and their support squad come to learn the secret weapon for sports success. I'm your host, Rebecca Smith. First, I was a scaredy cat gymnast, then a coach. Now I'm a sports psychology expert and a parent. Athletes, whether you're feeling stuck or you're having the best season of your life, I'm here to help you reach peak performance and maximum enjoyment. Welcome to a special episode of the Perform Happy Podcast. I have such a cool guest with me today. She is six-time back-to-back world champion for competitive Irish dance, Lauren Early. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yes. I'm so excited to talk with you. So Lauren, <laughs> she wrote a book, which is called Reaching New Heights, which is for competitive Irish dancers, all about strength and conditioning, um, just like a whole comprehensive handbook for competitive Irish dance, which is like such a high intensity sport. I had no idea before I started you know, working with Irish dancers, how intense and how competitive this sport is. Can you tell a little bit about the sport for those who are like, what is this? What yes, is this that you I do? know. Everybody just thinks when it comes to St. Patrick's Day, they swing their legs and away they go. But Irish dancing is a whole different level. Um, it's actually good you brought it up about the reach new heights because the sport is just as equal as 400 meter sprinter. So we max our heart rate out within 10 seconds. We're only on stage of moderate seconds. So Irish stance is a lactic acid sport. So it's one of the most difficult sports in the world because you're maxing it out and you're trying to tolerate that from start to finish of a dance. So it requires obviously speed endurance and power, stamina, reaction time, speed, height. Just when you look at a sprinter, exact same training that we're doing, obviously competing at Irish stance. And then of course, that's just like, you know, the fitness aspect. And then you need to know the skill and what judges are marking you on and your rhythm and your technique and your noise. And the weird thing about Irish dance is in dance, like you want to use your arms. In competitive Irish dance, we're not allowed to move an inch from the hip up and the body isn't made that way. So that's why it's very difficult. <laughs> wow. So it's 400 meter sprint with perfect form, beautiful lines, no arm movements. And in in beautiful costumes. I mean, it's beautiful just... costumes, weird hair sometimes. People are like, why do you wear wakes? I was like, it's just part of it. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the costumes obviously are really expensive, all blinged out in Sorsky Crystal. We have to be tan, just like anybody going up to perform, you know, any dancers 
get on stage, perform the whole makeup, the whole works. Yeah. And then we have to do specific dances to, that's another thing we're judged on timing and stuff. There's a lot to it. The, the fun thing about our stance would be the shows where we are to use our arms, but competitive, no. Ah, oh, amazing. So how did you get your start? How did I get into it? Yes. Well, um, my mom, me and my two sisters were driving her crazy in her house one day and I was around five and she was like right get outside go and play so me and my sisters were playing and then a lady walked past and noticed my mom had three girls and just come over and was like oh my god I have an Irish dance class up the street um stand your girls up would they be interested and she was like oh my god yes just take them so we went to our first dance class and then I was hooked ever since little did my mom know she would have a daughter, six time world champion. My two sisters dance, they were at world level as well. Not as as high, but really, really good, like top fifteen, top ten. So very good. I am um, and I, I asked my mommy a lot. I can't remember starting. She was like, You were just addicted. You walking down the supermarket, I danced, I danced with my hands, like everything. <laughs> so it was just by chance, I think. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I feel like the best athletes, they sort of just are are almost, I don't want to say they're made for it because obviously there's a lot of work that goes into it, but there's got to be that joy at the center where you just want to do it all the time. Yeah. As a gymnast and I was never not upside down. I was always upside down. I was always flipping. I was always, it's like, if you, if it's just what you want to do, then why not do it every day and why not do it for hours and hours? So when did it become competitive for you? Think from the get go. Um, I started falling into, I started picking up really, really, really quick. And one thing my mom did say is when they picked, when the dancing was over and they were picking us up, they always kept me behind. So they must have saw something in me as a kid to go, okay, she actually has really good talent. And they used to keep me behind. And then that's when I started obviously getting a little bit more um, uh, ahead. And then you can start competing, you know, under six right up. But there's like a lot of different levels. So you have like, novice say prize winner prelim champ so when they kind of taught me all my dances then you can enter a competition even if it's local so you just go in as because you're you have to start as a beginner and the second I went out to do it all and they knew I was ready I won everything in that phase and boom straight up the other level was winning half of that boom you know what I mean so then obviously I got to a certain level they're like okay we actually give her harder stuff and I we really need to get her to go so the moment you learn the dances and the teacher's like, you have them, go and enjoy it. You don't, don't even think about the results. You can get pushed out at the age of five, age of six, because it's only little um, small dances, easy. And then that was it. Because once you're competing at that age, that's you kind of getting started then. Okay. I know I have a question. I don't know if this was the case for you, but I know a lot of talented athletes, they sort of, they'll cruise through those first levels and then and they just love it and they're winning and they're having fun and they and then at some point there starts to feel like this pressure to be perfect or this expectation on them did that ever happen for you i'd say whenever i really entered the championship level and that's kind of like the highest level you start to creep in at the good thing is a lot of the top competitors are in ireland so that's where i am and it's good you're always competing against the best you're always seeing the best but I'd say where it really started getting to me was when I actually seen the other talent. So when I upped that championship and I seen all the other girls that were already ahead, I freaked out. 
I remember saying, you know, such and such is here, such and such here, and such. And then I was just creating all this bar in my hair, like freaking out to go, oh my God, why are they here? You know, it's when I start to say, oh my God, they actually are better than me. You know, can I beat them? It's when you start questioning yourself because I've just been the local champ, say, in that area. And when you really upped it to that other level, they came in and then that's when I started feeling the pressure. So from the get-go, when I'm looking at the other talent and respecting that talent, I'm also putting so much pressure on myself because now I know how the hell am I going to get up there? How am I going to beat them? What I have to do? This is what I have to do. And then that's when you really start putting yourself and question yourself to go perfection, perfection, perfection. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when the detailed training was like, I want to win what I have to do to get there. But it could go two ways at the same time where you really start to freak out and then the nerves get the best of you as well at times. You know? Yeah, that well, that's I think that's the the turning point for a lot of athletes is that they hit everybody's going to hit that point at some point where they go, oh, my talent has got me this far. Now I must work. <laughs> and not that you haven't been working, but it's sort of like another level. It's another level of you know the kid who wasn't as talented has already been working this hard all along. Can I accept there's nothing wrong with me? that I now have to start working harder, but that it's, but I love what you said, like, now, how do I get there? Sort of that like creativity is like, okay, it's going to have to look different. I don't know how it's going to look, but let's, let's figure it out. Let's go get it. hundred percent. Yeah. Instead of, oh, they're so good. I'm not good enough. Downward That's spiral. That's the big difference. Yep. It's mm-hmm. like, what do I have to do to get there? Yeah. You know, and then I had the supportive parents to go, okay, you know, to the teachers, what do we do to get Lauren to get there? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. they don't have to ask twice for me to up my training or me to think that's a little bit different when you're like, okay, they're good, but I can do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That you just knew like, okay, things have to get different. I want to work. Now, what was the, your why behind it? What was driving you? Because, you know, like you've got to have a motivation to want to put in that, that kind of work. Hey guys, quick announcement break. Right now we at Complete Performance Coaching are looking for five athletes who are ready to break through their mental blocks for good. If that sounds like you or your child, then sign up for a free consultation call with one of my amazing coaches as soon as possible to see if you're a good fit for our Perform Happy Elite training program. This program includes one-on-one coaching with the world's top mental performance coaches, plus tons of support for athletes and their parents in between sessions. You can sign up today at completeperformancecoaching.com slash consult. Talk to you soon. I think because I fell in love with it so much, you don't see it as at the time, obviously you see it as a sport, but it's what you want to do. It's your happy place. So you don't question or think twice to go, oh, do I have to practice? Die? I think that love and passion was like, I want to be better. I want to. And I wanted to win. I'm really competitive, but I also knew in the back of my head, I've already came pretty good. I'm not one of those lazy people that kind of feel sorry for myself where we're brought up as well is pretty tough. You know, you don't, you don't get a lot of like, it's kind of tough love you could say. So I think our mindsets at home is very, very different where I wanted to win, but I wanted to be proud of myself. I wanted to go and do all those weeks and years of hard 
work. I wanted my mom and dad's money to be worth it all to go. I'm going to use pride. I kind of think about myself and my family and how I would feel after. And I think even doing that and feeling yourself getting through a dance more, because within seconds, five to 10 seconds, you're struggling to breathe. So when you're fighting that and that gets a little bit better and a little bit better, you're like, oh my God, I'm actually killing this. So I wanted to go, well, if those guards can do it at the top, I can do it and I'm going to maintain it and I'm going to just do whatever I can. So it was more like the more I done it, the more I was hungry for more and more and more. And I just kept going. I didn't think. I just kept going to say, let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a beautiful balance of wanting that, that big emotion of, I did it. I, I have arrived. My parents are proud. I have, it's been worth the struggle, sort of ex- like knowing and, and almost visualizing that outcome. And I am such a big proponent of like, if you want something, imagine how you're going to feel when you get there and then feel that every day, feel it every single day. Because that's what's going to get your heart beating. And when you can't breathe, you're like, oh, but that when I'm on the podium or when I'm, you know, putting the medal on, when when this is happening, it's going to be so great. And you just say, you just keep at it. But then you also have a really micro focus where it's like, just, just this I'm working on right now, push through and then do it a little better and then do it a little better and a little better. That's, I think what people sometimes lose sight of when they go, I'm not there yet. I can't get there. Yeah. I'm not there. You're thinking to yeah. jump in the gun. Exactly. Get ahead of yourself. And then it feels like you're, this big task is just too big. Yeah. Did it ever feel overwhelming to you? Honestly, I feel like when it really got overwhelming was when I started to hit the big titles. Even before the world, there's a lot of other big titles. World obviously being the unreal one. We're juggling schoolwork. Um, what we call over here, obviously we used to do A-levels and I don't know what you call it in America, but stuff to get into college and your future and so on. And juggling that balance and the training and the strength and conditioning training and your home practice, whatever. That's when I started to go freak out a little, but always reminded myself, if they can already do it at the top, I ain't going to do it at the top. I don't know what kept going on in the back of my head. There must have been something. And even to this day, my teachers are like, Lauren is the hardest worker we've ever took. Like, never once has that child ever been negative. I'm, I'm still human. I'm obviously like, oh, or whatever. But I would never like blame anybody else. It's, they're providing it all for me. It's up to me to make it happen. So I think the only pressure was when it's trying to balance like school and stuff like that. How I mentally thought about dance was the now. I knew if I kept just thinking about the now, six months coming up to the world, I'm going to be ready for that. Like athletes have to pick months in advance. So I was never the the one to go, I'm not getting this. I'm not getting this. I have this competition six months. And then start to beat myself up. Or, you know, there was a few faces before the world championships. I don't even think I got placed in one of them. And everybody was like, what's going on? I was like, I'm dancing amazing. What's happening? You know, and then you'll get that with judges and everything else. And then I want to run and one, um, I think it was my fourth word or something across the board, hundred marks. And it's just, I think the pressure, it would, would have been the balance to be honest. And I'm going to be really honest. I don't know if it's a good thing to say, but I'm going to say it. I knew something would come out of my career with dance and being an Irish dancer from a little small city that went three hard times in the past and not much big comes out of our city. 
there was something inside me to go. I always put it first. And I knew I, I had to do my educa- education, of course. I wasn't the brightest, but I tried hard. I passed my exams. I got three A levels for uni just in case for a backup. But in no way, I'm not saying to anybody that's watching this, don't do your studies. I'm just telling you what I done. And then I made a career out of it as well, is what I'm doing now. Now that won't obviously happen with everybody else. It was my mind to go, even if it doesn't, I'm going to make something happen. And everybody has their own goals and dreams. But honestly, I think that's why it was so number one in my life. And that's all I've ever known. Dance. Yeah. And that's, all, that's what you love. Yeah. <laughs> what an amazing gift to be able to just do what you love all the time. I know. I mean, that's like... My parents uh, say that all the time. Mm-hmm. Mine too. That's why you never see it as a job, you know? Like even like creating what, what I've done with writing the book, Reaching New Heights, you know, doing workshops, choreography and other big plans and stuff. Um, I've never took my foot off the pedal, never ever take anything for granted. And I think when it comes to work, then I'm thinking ahead, 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 mm-hmm. to be ahead, to yeah. be up there. But the competing, when I was competing... If someone had recorded me that the high social media is now, if someone was recording me that whole time, I would love to look back to go, oh my God, is that what I said? Is that what I thought? <laughs> because no matter the pressure, no matter the stress, dance was number one. Yeah. So just allowing your heart to be sort of the, the root where it comes from, the passion, the love, and then the effort from there. And, and so, so balance. If you have, you know, these athletes that, that I work with, that you work with, they're so busy. They have you know, all the pressure of school, all the pressure of dance. What is, your, what is your tip for how to maintain balance, but still be pushing your limits in the best possible way? I think just being so organized and willing to get up super early in the morning to fit everything that you have to, always showing up. Yes, we're not going to get much sleep. But when you're feeding the body right and doing nutrition, the body adapts. When you do it smartly and correctly, of course, it can be done. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's easy. No way is it easy. I always had a breakdown a month before the Worlds with my exams. I used to have a big, big cry. And I was like, oh, Lauren's had a cry. She's okay now. Let's keep going. I was so organized to the point of where I knew I was getting up 5 a.m. training. And okay, I eat my breakfast on my back, get charged, school, boom straight in, dance clothes on, try to eat in the car on the way, go to dance, come back, eat my dinner, stay up a little bit late to do homework, go back. So different days when I didn't, and I was only breaking down some stuff at home for the hour, then I knew that is all homework night. I've done the hour practicing, and but you can't just wing it. You have to be so organized. It's to the T. And a lot of people go to me, you know, do you not miss like your social life? You didn't turn up to like, kids parties or do you feel like you missed out a lot and I was like never once did I doubt my decision to go practice or to go to my friend's party where I can go to her party my time off in the summer when I'm not competing I think it's just how strong your mindset really is and how much you really don't feel sorry for yourself and you know that you and all the other hundred dancers in your age group are going through exams are going through maybe more stress. Maybe their dance classes are six days a week. Some people might have two. Some people, teachers might want them in seven days. You know, everybody is different, but we're still all in the same boat. So how does the people before me, how do they juggle exams? How do they juggle their training? And I always go, well, if they done it at that age, 
we're going through it now, what they done, they get through it so we can get through it. I'd say that discipline and that just being perfectly organized. I miss my auntie's wedding at one stage because I want to choose to go to competition. So I think it kind of paid off. <laughs> kind of paid off with six world championships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that it's, I mean, it's true. It's like, if you want anything big, you it's gotta be a priority and organization. What a, what a great tip because otherwise it's like, you would just have so much going on that it, you can't possibly understand how it would work out. Like I think back to graduate school and working full time and, and it was just like, uh, it's all on the calendar and I just do what's in front of me today. And this is the piece that I do today. And this is the piece that happens tomorrow. And it's great life skills anyway. Yeah. Yep. And you just do what you can for the day and you try to get a little better you try to get a little better. And what a cool perspective that you were always thinking if they can do it, I can do it. If she can do it, I can do it. All yeah, because that's and I say it out loud. It's crazy, but it's one of the big things that's been actually proven by science that creates confidence in people is is um, vicarious experience. So if you look at someone else and you go, "Whoa, that's amazing!" If she can do it, I can do it. It boosts your confidence. It boosts your motivation. It gets you on track. If you look at someone and go, "She's so good, I'm not good." You have two possible perspectives. You either compare yourself to them and go, well, that means I'm not good enough. Or you go, I am so inspired. I want to do that too. Yeah, so true. And if you choose that, then you're constantly, even though I imagine that you were competing against the people you trained with, right? Yeah. And yeah. And so you're you're working with them, you're encouraging them, but then just like most individual sports, ultimately, like you still want to beat her. <laughs> I know. Do you know what? Mine was a little different. And maybe that's why I had it a little bit easier as well. But then I, I think, well, if my top competitors were in my school, would it kept me on my toes? I love that competitiveness. When I was dancing, there was only two other girls in my age group. But their level was so different from mine that it was just, it wasn't even, do you know what I mean? Like they were hoping to get a recall out of 200 people. And I was thinking about retaining my word title. So I think I had it different because even when I take students today, there might be 10 or 15 in their age group. And I'm like, oh my God, how did you do it? So I think a lot would change if I did had some against in, in my class training. And if some of them were my top competitors, I know it would always push me harder because I want to win. I want to win. So I don't think that would have changed. I just think it would, I think it's just less hassle mm-hmm. to deal with that. Because even when I was going to compete, I never used to watch any 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 of the other d- top dancers. I just let my teachers and my older sister who trained me, they can let me know if I need to push hard whatever. Why would I start psyching myself out and doubting all my hard work and forgetting how good I am if I'm looking at someone and going, oh my God. But then on the other hand, some people need to watch their competitors. I never did. And then went up and just mm-hmm. focused on me and hope for the best. Yes. That's such an important thing too, is to to know what works for you that some people who are very competitive do need a little fire. I find it's more of the, it's more the guys, more of the, you know, the teenage guys typically not going to like totally generalize, but they need a coach to be like, get your butt in gear, get to work or your teammates going to beat you. And they're like, Oh, and then they, you know, they, they go at it with the, with more of the girls, 
it's like, we don't really need that. <laughs> We're already, <laughs> already pushing ourselves. We're already our harshest critic. We don't really need any of that sort of negative pressure to yeah. get us moving. It's more just like, I agree. Blinders on, go do your job, do what you've been training for all along and trust it. I totally agree. So there's this magical thing that I have found only in the top athletes, or at least I found, I first identified it in top athletes. And then my goal is to get it into the intermediate level athletes. It's this thing beyond confidence. Like you, you know yourself well, you know, what works for you. When you get to the top level, you are confident, you know how to boost your confidence. You know what to focus on. You sort of just, you, you've, you've learned it all. But then there's this thing that happens in competition where you let go you trust and you just sort of let it happen. Would you say that that's something that you can relate to or, and, and tell, I would love to just dig into that part of your mind. Yeah. I think when, you know, you've done the work and your whole mindset is kind of shut off from everybody. I am when you kind of go in there and I've spoke about a lot before in when I try to block what I do when I did block everybody out that when I'm there, I have no other choice but to get up and perform. So if my mind's focused to get up on stage and do that, I'm going to just leave everything there and go up and perform. If I start getting into my own head about overthinking, I should have done this, I should have done that, what I didn't do, what what I did do, whatever, then I feel like that's when you're really psyching yourself out. But the more I think of less pressure and stuff like that, the more obviously I perform. I performed a lot better. I think when I really turned up the day of the competition, there was no more think of what ifs or what happened or, you know, none, none of that. I'm there to compete. And the only thing I'm thinking about is round one and then I come down and then round two and then I come down and then round three. I don't even think about the results because that's something that's out of my control. All I can control is how I perform on stage. What I can't control is what the judge's decision is. So I think I really drop it the morning, even when I'm going to that competition, earphones in, being pumped. I think when you arrive, of course, you get nerves and stuff, but I think it's kind of good just to leave everything behind. Stop overthinking. Go and do it. You're there to compete. You're going to do it anyway. (laughs) So let's not overthink it. But I think I drop everything when I enter those doors. That's when I really just drop everything and just blinkers on. And that that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like obviously every top athlete's very different. But in a way, if we had this, if there's me and other athletes speaking, even the ones I deal with now and work with now, other world champions, it's like we speak the same language. And I'm sure it's, you, you speak to so many like males and females. Do they say everything a lot different or... Yeah, but there are these similarities in athletes who perform at their best. The ones that perform at their best have the ability to trust their training. And it's something that is learned like a muscle that, but it's, it's, and it's so critical. It's like the missing piece for so many athletes who keep, you know, they're stuck on a plateau or they self-sabotage or they get in their head or they, they have fear or anxiety. It's like, they just aren't trusting. And so how did you be, how did you become trusting of your training? How did you learn to leave it at the door? (laughs) Trusting. Oh my God. That was my number one because I knew I was training correctly with the greatest teachers, the greatest personal trainer, 
I always trusted in the process from day one. And when I done the development of, okay, let's test this. This is my day one. And then weeks pass, months pass. I felt myself getting faster, getting more height, getting more elevation, turning quicker, turning, getting better. It actually got to the stage when I was picking, going to words. I wasn't getting comments back from my teacher. I was like, am I doing well? Am I not? And then my trainer was timing, speed, height, and physically seeing. And this is another thing. In every stance, we don't know how well we're doing. We're going on judges' results, right? But the good thing I think I what really got me ahead was what most athletes do and the downfall Ari Stance didn't have was seeing, am I getting higher? Am I getting faster? I'm actually improving my speed endurance. So am I getting fitter? So because I seen that as well as feel it, I put all my trust into the trainer and the teachers because they know what they're doing. I'm the competitor. I want to grow and learn from the best. So that was actually probably the number one thing I'll always keep with me is always trust the process. It's even like, People go on and do diets and they'll be like, I've done it for two weeks, not working. I've done it for four weeks. Even then I'll be like, trust in the process. It will fall into place. It will work. And I'd say, I don't know if it's the mindset or what runs through your head, but mine was like, it's kind of common sense as well to go, if you're training correctly and smartly, you feel yourself getting better week by week. You feel that little bit quicker, that little bit more confident. That is your process working. You might not be super fit in a couple of weeks or whatever. And it doesn't happen overnight. A lot of people want things overnight. You know, when you calculate it all, it took me 10 years to win a world title. When you actually calculate it with me, a kid right up. That's what you call patience. But I trusted in the process of growing and developing. It's not like I just woke up one day and became a champion. I had to go up and down and get fifth or 10th or, you know, like yo-yo. But, oh my God, I would say trust is number one. 100%, 100%, be impatient, 100%. And then let it fall into place. If you know in your, in, in your heart that you're given 150%, training in class, training outside class, and you know you're pushing and you know you're feeling it, that is your process being succeeded. A lot of people are not patient with that. And I think that's when trust goes out the window. I had to be patient to get to there, just like any top athlete in the world, how they train. And I always remind even the dancers today, I just didn't wake up one day and become a world champion. You know, if it was that easy, we'd all be champions. So there is that trust, that patience, that time, that consistency throughout trust. I just love that word because once you nail it as an athlete and you trust your coaches and whatever, you're flying. Mm -hmm. Ah, yes. So confirmation. Lauren Early com- confirms the trust is the thing that that <laughs> je ne sais quoi of the top athletes. <laughs> now, there are a lot of very punitive coaches in individual aesthetic sports. There's a lot of negativity and harshness. Now, I don't know anything about your coaching experience, um, you know, your teachers. Sometimes it can be hard to trust when people are mean, when the coaches are mean or they're not nice or they're different patient. Did you, did you struggle with any of that? Did you have to overcome any negativity from your, your teachers? See, maybe maybe that's why I'm like, ding, 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 ding. It was the good with the bad. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't all you're amazing. You're in. No, no, no. You only ever got you're amazing maybe once a year, but it wasn't like negative as in like pounding you and putting you down. It was negative as, you know, get your front click ups move. And then when you do it, that's better. Keep it up. That's it. You know, it was the good with the bad. 
they'd scream at you and be like, this needs to be da da da. And towards it, that was it. Do you know what? You were really close to it. And see next time. So they'd remind you to go, you're going to get it. So it was, I would say it was the good with the bad. Obviously, they have their down days where they're ready to just scream and take your head <laughs> off. Um, but I'd say most of the times it was if you had a bad class or whatever happened, it would be, what was that? You know, you can do it. I've seen you do it. You know, it's that remind to go, oh my God, they really believe in me and they really. So how I was brought up and how actually most Irish dance teachers are is what I would say the good with the bad. Um, doing workshops in different countries and cities, I would say more, it's very different with the Americans than it is the Irish. I'd say here we're a bit harder with some of the American dance teachers. Everything is more positive, positive, a lot. I wouldn't say too positive, but it's a positivity. So I've even learned by going to Canada, America, England, Ireland, how we how we are in our sport. We're a bit in the UK, good with the bad, but never, ever, ever, that's not good enough. What are you doing? You know, kind of like if I see, I imagine like guys in a football match training with their coaches and everything's get up, that's pathetic. Or that's what I imagine. That doesn't really happen in our sport. We'll be told if we're not good. And you need to do better. And they're kind of more disappointed, kind of like a parent where you feel, you're like, oh, I need to make them believe in me. And then the other flip is, now, come on, I know you want this. So I think it's that. I think I'd say the good with the bad, never ever like brutal, say. But And the thing that you knew is that beneath the bad day, they believed in you. They cared about you. They wanted you. They saw what you were capable of. I knew of. why they were shouting. Yeah, I knew they were like just itching to get that talent out or you could have pushed harder. I know one Tuesday you done, you know, and I always knew they're on my side. Mm. They want me to represent their school. They're on my side there. That's why they're putting all their blood, sweat and tears into us out of their own family time Mm. as well. So I think I was kind of blessed as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now. Now, I know that you give back so much to the Irish dance community. So what is your favorite way to give back to, to the young up-and-coming athletes? To give back all my weak spots on what not to do. <laughs> what I've learned so they can avoid it. Um, all my tips and shredding and breaking down for specific movements that everybody does. But the bottom line all in all and how I give back is teaching how I was as a beginner right up and try to avoid the little mistakes they don't actually need to make to avoid that, to actually just get up and start peeking. I think the good thing as well is talking to them and letting them know I was a beginner once. I was just like you and this is what happened. And they're like, oh my God, that's kind of like me. So with all the tips, I think it's all the quality detail tips that, that I do every single day. And when I'm taking like the personal one-on-one as well, that's when I help obviously getting their results and their breakdown. But I definitely say being honest with them um, not being, wouldn't say brutal, but truthful, the tips, what to do, what not to do, tell them my weak spots. It's okay. If this happens, this will happen. That's how I learn. A lot of the dancers, even I speak to today, it's kind of like the example you gave earlier where they look at someone and go, Oh my God, she's here. I'm not going to be good. Or, and I remind them that didn't come into my head. So if it doesn't come into my head, you should be thinking that. And they're like, oh, okay, I don't want to think that. But I think it's just reminding them that the trust, the process, my wee journey, because sometimes they don't believe she wasn't a beginner. Wait, no, she wasn't. She was never a child, you know. 
I think that is so good when you inspire young kids and you're honest and not like fake about it. You know, it is hard. You want to cry. You want to, you know, you will feel like this. And it's kind of like reassuring them to go, God, I am on a good journey. Or remember that tip she gave us? Like, I didn't think of that if I do. And I, I, I do stuff that sometimes teachers don't have time for. Breaking down specific movements, what weight you're meant to transfer on a foot. So many, so many people get back to me even to this day that are training or top dancers are like, I didn't even think of that. Oh my God, it makes it easier to do. So I try to just give them everything every day and just be really, really honest with them and let them know I can, I'm here for you anytime you need me. You know, I'm an open book. Let's let me, Hardy, I help you. Let me help you. I think that's being honest and being truthful. They respect you. Absolutely. I mean, gosh, parents, coaches, like I think everybody can take that advice and like the best way to give back Mm -hmm. is just honest. Yeah. Just being honest, being vulnerable, sharing your weak spots. I mean, that's so powerful. So we talked about your book, which your book then evolved into basically the Peloton of Irish dance. Would you tell, would you tell everyone about what you're up to now? (laughs) So I have an online platform. So it's all for Irish dancers, all the strength and conditioning. It's called Iron Hitch On Demand. And you can do it anywhere in the world, on your phone or your laptop, log in anytime. And they basically work out with me from home. But because I know everybody's schedule from different organizations, I can pick them. So we have a senior academy, junior academy. We just released an Iron Hitch Majors Academy. And it just means that I'm getting you ready, conditioning-wise, dance-wise, shred and execution stuff like that build a name on the outside of dance class that they can fit around their dance class so they can train at home for the up-and-coming competitions and majors um so we have a lot of students all over the world that's on that and then from that from the online app the rnh app then i also do online personal coaching so then they would book in with me and then i shred and perfect their steps breaking down and executing piece by piece by piece. So then that comes out that they're big increase in results. So when they're getting conditioned and trained correctly, because still to this day, many Irish dancers are training correctly. So when they're training correctly and they have their dance teachers on their side, and then maybe I'm shredding their stuff, it's kind of we're giving them everything to get to the top. And I think because of the app and the online work that we do, it's ongoing. So we're always topping it up. We're always feeding. We're stuff. How do we get our community ahead? And we're all in it a community. You know, I have a Dr. Teddy Wilson on it as well for his strength and conditioning. We're also going to have the mindset and stuff like that. And we also have the sleep expert. So when we give all that to our community, they're just like so excited. So the app has just been growing and developing nonstop. And that's what we constantly think ahead. And that's why we've backed it all up by proving the results. And I think once you start proving results, your work just speaks volumes, right? Um, So that's what's happening right now. And obviously big things are coming up as well. We're always thinking ahead. Um, And then of course I hold obviously the workshops and stuff like that where they see me in person. Um, So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So the app's going great. Yes. I love it. I was, I was a gymnast who never could stop doing gymnastics and I've created my way to stay in it, you know, to stay. And I love that you've done the same thing. Thank you, internet for, you know, bringing the love for these sports to so many people worldwide. It's just so cool. Yeah. 
And I think the good thing is as well is I was one of the first people. Now, Irish dancing's gone on since my great granny. I don't even know when it started. But I was one of the first people to create a strength and conditioning book for Irish dance because we had no videos, we had no nutritionists, we had nothing. So I was the first to do that. And then I was the first to create an online fitness platform. And it's just making history itself. And when you love that and you have the passion, kind of like what I said earlier was, I'm going to do something to give back to the sport and to give back to my parents because without them, I wouldn't have been here today. Um, it's kind of really, really rewarding. Like I'm not going to stop here. I'll always never settle. But I think that's just my mindset thing. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, that, that, that achiever in all of us. That's, and that's another reason why I love working with the you know, 12, 13, 14-year-olds is like we give them this, yes. these tools that go so far beyond sport. Yeah, we're all going to retire. Even the world champion is going to retire at some point. So who are you going to be after that? You know, are you going to be the kind of, kind of girl who goes and like starts some beautiful, helpful enterprise? Are you going to be somebody who doesn't stop dreaming because of your sport? Not like in spite of it, you know, just to uh, like to continue to build and become a, just a better and better human as a result of your little teeny time doing sport. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I always ask the students as well, like, do you want to be a dance teacher when you're older? Do you want to be a judge? Do you want to, you know, some of them go, I want to do what you're doing. I was like, see, when I retire, you take my job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but then you're inspiring them because that wasn't, that didn't even exist. They're like, oh, and then they'll match me like, how did you get into And obviously other people are trying to come up with fitness platforms, stuff like that. But I think the good thing is I kind of have a unbroken record. So with my achievements, it's really, really good to have the high RNH platform and, backing it up with your results you know but yeah no it's so good to actually hear what what the generation like the young kids now what are they thinking when they watch this or I love it yeah love it oh well Lauren this has been so fun so if you're looking to connect with Lauren if you want some of her expertise RNH online check it out thank you so much for sharing your champion brain with us today it's been a pleasure no problem I absolutely loved it thanks so much for having me Rebecca Yes, of course. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Perform Happy Podcast. If you're ready to unlock your maximum sport potential, head over to performhappy.com and join us. You'll be training alongside world champion athletes and Olympic hopefuls. And I will personally take you through my research-based system for overcoming fear and mental blocks, building confidence, and finding your flow. I'm Coach Rebecca Smith and I'll see you next time.